You're going to want to quarantine yourself for this one. It's Mikey J on KGUP Presents. Mothers, lock up your daughters. I want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage. Big round of applause. It's time to see Mikey J. Mikey J. Are you fucking with me? Oh, it's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. One John chapter 5 verse 18. Every time I hear that, it gives me chills. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a scene from the series Snares of the Devil. And speaking of which, our guest today has done a lot in her young career. She's just getting started, and she's a good, good friend of the program, and she's a talented director, actress, and writer. You may recognize her from the films American Girl and Affairs of State, but most of her work has been behind the scenes on many music videos, short films, television series like American Horror Story. This Is Us, and in fact, she's worked on so many projects, I have a hard time keeping up with what she's done. And here to talk about her newest TV series, now playing on Filmica, called Snares of the Devil, I'd like to welcome Amy Campione. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. This is exciting. I love that intro. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I kind of put that together, and that scene, like, and it just grips you, you know? Thank you. Anytime you have like little kids, it's like more intense, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. To work with, but also to, uh, to see on screen. I know it does kind of add a different quality, I think, when there's little kids and you're dealing with horror, especially that genre, you know? But, right. Um, it just seems more convincing. You're seeing innocence being taken away from a child. And that's like the, everybody's worst fear. That's, yeah, that's yeah. why it works. Yeah, which is sort of what the whole series is about. So, yeah, but we're lucky we had some really great. Uh, child actors on that on that series so it really it really helped so I watched it over the weekend and I was just couldn't wait to get to the next one and the next one and it seemed like it was going to be a lot but then you know not that much time passed and it was all over and I'm like oh my god that's it <laughs> it just left you wanting more yeah they're they're small they're you know bingeable small seven to you know seven-ish minute episodes so makes yeah. it easy kind of what made you decide to have that sort of format well, that was sort of, so the series um, was born out of a competition through Filmica, which is a, an online um, film competition platform. Um, and so they have varying, you know, competitions. Um, but this one in particular was to um, pitch a pilot and a series, a short form sort of, you know, episodic web series, because it is online um, streaming series in the short form. Um, of the first first episode was had to be about five minutes. And then, you know, if you won, you know, it was a little bit flexible from there. But so yeah, so that was always the intended format, though it is an interesting format to write in because it is kind of a newer thing I feel like we're seeing. Yeah. So tell us how it all started for you. What inspired you to work in entertainment and film and all that? Yeah, um, you know, I started as an actress. I always loved films. Um, we used to watch them a lot when I was a kid. It was like a big family thing, you know, go to Blockbuster and rent movies. Um, yeah. And we'd always rent, you know, a bunch of them and it'd be just be a thing that we did. So I was always super enamored with film and television and just that world. And I don't really ever think I thought of it 
like a job, you know, like that was like an industry or something. Cause I was, you know, I grew up in a small town in Florida, so it's just not something that we, you even thought about. Um, so I started wanting to be an actor cause I knew that was a thing, you know? Um, yeah. And then I just kind of went from there. I, I majored in theater in college. Um, and I moved to LA shortly after. And then I started, I kind of already knew that, although I love the acting part of it, I just sort of wanted to do something more hands-on and creative. Mm-hmm. So I, um, yeah, so I started looking for opportunities to get behind the camera. Um, I got to intern with a really great um, producer, Suzanne Lyons. She does, um, she's done a lot of stuff, but she actually uh, specialized in ho- indie horror for a long time. So that was really cool to learn from her because, you know, I love I love, I love that genre. So it was, it was cool to learn there. Um, yeah. And then I just started kind of getting behind the scenes. Yeah. When I first moved to San Diego, my uh, roommate, he would take acting classes. And so I kind of was behind the scenes and I tried to be a part of it all, but it just wasn't my thing. (laughs) Like I I was too aware and self-conscious about how I was in front of everybody. So I ended up working behind the camera. And it wasn't until just now when you were saying all that, it kind of flashed because I completely forgot about it. Yeah. (laughs) The different world. I feel like, you know, I do love theater and being on stage, but when doing film and TV, it's just so different. It feels, even though there aren't necessarily more eyes on you, because obviously you have an audience in theater, it does feel, it just feels different. You know, it feels, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of cutting and multiple takes and, you know, there's all these people kind of watching what you're doing and, critiquing it in the moment and it's just a different experience a beautiful wonderful experience I just I realized that I wanted to kind of create the material you know that was kind of like my next question how did acting lead to like you know you directing and producing but you just met the right people and just saw things from a different perspective and decided that that's what you wanted to do yeah I think I I think I always had um like little inklings of it. I always did write a little bit like stories. I always, um, I did take some directing courses and writing courses in in college as part of my major and some just extracurricular to kind of, you know, learn. Um, and I did some local, local stuff in, um, in Florida, but yeah, like I said, I, I knew, I just felt like I wanted something else out of it. Like I, when I got here, then I started to go, oh, you can do this as a job and that as a job. And there's so many other jobs that the industry supports that right. I never realized. So I, I got the opportunity really quickly, which I think um, was lucky for me that I got to see what all those things were and kind of start to see behind the scenes and, and dabble in all of them a little bit. Um, for fun and kind of see what I wanted, you know, like really learn what it was I wanted to do and start, like I said, start writing and start learning from writers and taking more writing classes and things like that. Yeah. It's kind of like how I got into radio. I, I wish I could go back in time and go back to school and focus more on like film editing and different types of like production versus, cause I went into school for music management Yeah. and I ended up doing everything else, but music management. Yeah. <laughs> And I've had to learn the hard way. But I'm sure, it does, it, do you find it helpful for what you do? Um, <laughs> uh, to an extent. Hmm. You just have it in you to be some sort of like manager, marketer. Sure. You know, like I learned not by taking classes, but through different ways of instruction, how to, you know, press releases and be a good writer. Sure. A lot of that is just paying attention to what you're reading and paying attention to who you like, you know? Yeah. 
No, I, I mean, I, I love that. And I actually think that I wouldn't have been like, I don't think the directing would be quite what it was for me if I didn't, if I hadn't done the acting part of it. Um, because I think it puts you in that shoes in a different, a different way, you know, and it kind of gives you a different language to talk to actors with and kind of know ahead of time going into it, different things that you want that I just, I, for me, it's incredibly helpful in, in, in getting what I'm, I'm looking for. Some of the best directors are, have been former actors and actresses. Yeah, it's true. There's some great ones that were actor. I was just talking about uh, Jodie Foster the other day cause she's directing and she's such a great director, but I think it's because she's such a great actress. <laughs> yeah. And it's a shame that you don't see her on the screen anymore, but it's because she's behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what are your top three favorite films? This question is always so hard for me. Um, top, I okay. So I, I don't like to do a top three, like favorite. So I usually will say like what's inspiring me now or what I'm kind of like back into. Um, so anyone that knows me knows that true, true romance and Quentin Tarantino is like my Oh, my yeah. one of my favorite movies. So that is always an inspiration. That's always one of my top, you know, top movies. So that's a great one. Uh, another one I love uh, is Excision, which is Richard Bates Jr. It's a um, dark, I guess you could say kind of comedic horror, kind of niche, very genre. I don't, you know, I love it. It's great, but very different. But again, very inspiring to me because I like things in horror that are just super different. And then I'd have to say American Psycho. Um, it's one that I've been more and more into lately because I'm, I'm really into the psychological like horror and thriller um, yeah. again because it's what I've been writing so it's kind of what I try to immerse myself in and that's just great when Mary Heron who, which I think is really cool that you know 20 years ago you know you had a woman directing like this iconic psychological horror film so yeah American Psycho is a really good movie I'll, I'll watch it every so often and then yeah. I forget how well it's done. Oh, yeah. Like even now, like years later, I'm like, there's so many twists that yeah. you're looking for like these little Easter eggs every time you watch it Oh yeah. to get like, clues for the next scene. <laughs> it's true. And all, and what's great about all of those films, but, um, but that one too, it, it, the dialogue, like I just, I'm such a dialogue person and I think there's like so much hidden in dialogue and it's yeah. like such a trick to make dialogue you know, seem natural, but also, I mean, it, you know, it is heightened still because it's a movie. And, and that one, um, American uh, Psycho is just, it's incredible. Yeah. I'm surprised uh, Nightmare on Elm Street wasn't one of your... I know. I'm <laughs> I was like, what shirt should I wear? And I was like, oh, for sure. But this is one of my favorite horror. I always name this as one of my, if I'm, see, that's why it's so hard. Cause I'm always yeah. like, what category? And, you know, I'm always watching new stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, this is my all-time favorite, which scared me the crap out of me when I was a kid. Can I say that? Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, every time I think of you, I think of uh, True Romance, and I, it has to be definitely in my top 10. It's a great film that you just never get tired of. Yeah, I love it. I, I love the marriage of Quentin Tarantino with another director, though he doesn't quite do that as much anymore, but I think it really takes like a beautiful script and it uh, I just I love seeing how it's what people do with his writing but mm -hmm. um, I think that's yeah, that, that movie just I think the story is so great and it's it's so you know intriguing and I think that everyone can really like just love that film um it's just been one of my favorites for a long time made me like really kind of want to make movies yeah so that leads me to the next question who do you look up to as a director so I do love Tarantino he's <laughs> you know again that's 
Um, I love all things dark, so I really am a big fan of Tarantino. I love David Fincher. I've been really into this director lately, uh, Julie DeCorno. She's a French actress. She made this, she did this film called Raw a couple years ago, and it's just a great kind of like indie. I love seeing what's new in horror, and I'm always finding like new directors that I really love. Um, so I really love her. She's great. Um, big fan of like, like Lisa Cholodenko, who's not really dark, but she's great. Ava DuVernay is a big one. I love her. Um, not just, I think she's a great director, but I think she also really just does so much for the industry and writers and up and coming directors. I just love what she does like as a person too, besides just being a fantastic director. So, um, yeah, so those, I, those I could probably name <laughs> a million and keep going and going. Yeah. Um, and you, you're going to lose me because I don't know half of these <laughs> names. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, you got to look these up. You're going to write this down, you know? Yeah. Going back to your, like your film project history, what was your first film project? Uh, just working on or as a director? Maybe just both. My, my first film project ever that I worked on as an actor, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember because I did so much small, like so much stuff back when I was a kid and like back in Florida. But here um, I worked, my first behind the scenes thing in Los Angeles was that I worked as a production assistant on a an indie film called Red Skies at Night. That was just kind of how I started meeting people and that was my first opportunity to like be on the call sheet as a production assistant and get paid and you know, do that stuff. So, um, and then I started working in TV shortly after that. I did a show called Stitchers um, and then I kind of worked my way up from- I remember that, Stitchers. <laughs> Stitchers, yeah, it was like a freeform sci-fi show. Yeah, um, oh my God. I think it was on the other day and she's like, oh my God, what is this? Turn it off. <laughs> Yes. Um, so yeah, so I did, I did some TV as a production assistant for a while. And then um, um, I still do some behind the scenes stuff. I do some, I'll do assistant directing work and coordinating work quite a bit. Um, right now I do a lot more like music videos and, and things like that as an AD. Or, um, nice. But my first, my first project as a director was actually for Glitter Rose. I did um, her music video for Pita Negra. That was the first opportunity I got to direct which was really cool to work with with her as a you know a friend of mine and her coming yeah. to me, knowing that that was something that I I had wanted to do I had expressed like I really want to get behind the camera and direct like what should I do and they had shot some really cool test footage for her album and for you know and they had they you know were like okay we want you to direct this music video for us like you should come so that was really cool to get that opportunity and that's funny that you brought her up because uh for I forgot I had worked with you on a video yeah. Rose. I don't know how I could forget because the day that you needed help on set, I had just gotten back from work. So I had worked the whole day and then you needed someone to help build a rain machine. I started building that at like 10 PM and then we didn't get finished until like 4 AM. Yeah. That was yeah. yeah. And then we had this like little tiny 15 minute window to make this one shot. <laughs> It was in the middle of winter, so it was really cold. So it wasn't just cold for us. It was especially cold for her. <laughs> she was a trooper. She always yeah. is. I don't know about you, but you seem to, to pull like rabbits out of the hat when it comes to crunching time because it seems like you always need stuff at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does happen with film. I think that, that you kind of – I mean, I think it's important. I think preparation is really important for mm -hmm. – you know, indie film, um, I think it's kind of like, um, it's both, you know, there's an indie, you're sort of all, or, you know, when you're working on a smaller project, you're always sort of, 
you could always use more, you know, resources or money or something. Um, so, but you know, being prepared really helps like knowing what we want, you know, yeah, we had that short window to get that shot, but you know, we kind of knew what we were up against trying to get all these, we we already knew we were going in with like a really ambitious like shot list and things that we needed to get. And the rain machine was kind of going to be like a, you know, we weren't really know. We didn't really know what we were going to get exactly out of what what we had. So I think that's part of it. I think that's part of the fun of it sometimes. Um, yeah, the rush. <laughs> yeah, just sort of trying to. And then you get really cool things. It's cool to get a really cool product out of having nothing, you know, or or having limited resources. Not necessarily yeah. nothing, but. Um, yeah, and so often when you're driving around LA, you you see all these sets and everybody just kind of standing around and doing nothing and. And then it all comes down to like this three minute shot. Yeah. And, you know, True. you have hundreds of people working on something that'll be on the screen for sometimes it's three or four seconds, you know, and then we worked on it all day. Yeah. So that's definitely, I mean, that can be indie stuff too, but you're right. Even bigger stuff, especially bigger stuff because they have the resources to do a car chase or an explosion or a, yeah, I remember the, the music venue that I worked at, they had rented the, the venue for 48 hours. And I was excited to see the actual scene on what was it, NCIS. And it, it was like a 30 second clip. I'm like, oh my God, all of that resource and manpower and all of that just led to 30 seconds. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my God, this is crazy. It's cool. It's cool though. It's, it's, it can be, it, I think it's pretty rewarding though when you, when, especially when it's your project and you see like how much everyone's put into it, you know, it's yeah. part of what it is, you know, we work 12 to 15 hours a day and you know, for a, you know, some, you know, you'll put eight days for a, into an hour long episode of something that's, it can be, that's crazy, you know, but yeah. So what is your most memorable project that you've worked on? Most memorable, I think, would probably be the most recent. Well, they're all memorable for different reasons. They all mm-hmm. have their own things that I think that you like really learn from or that make them special. Um, but I think definitely Snares of the Devil is probably just one of my most memorable. I just, it was such a great opportunity, and I'm just so happy with how it turned out. I just love that project so much. So everything from the beginning to the end, though we had stressful moments, was definitely there was nothing not memorable about it. It was just very, it was such an awesome project. Yeah. Do you have a uh, project that was like your most challenging that you wish you could do over? Um, that's a hard one too. Cause I feel like doing over kind of defeats some of the purpose of like learning, you know? Um, but yeah. I do, I do. So my first, I did my first feature kind of like right out of the gate and I had only really directed a couple things. Um, and we did it for, nothing I mean we did it for a very small budget it's a project that kind of grew and grew and grew it's something that I said oh I'm just gonna take a camera and shoot it like I don't care how it turns out I just want to know like what it's like to to tell a feature from beginning to end because you know every length of project is a different type of storytelling Mm -hmm. so I so I did but then it kind of snowballed as soon as I started saying you know I need this or I need that or how can we make this happen just I had so many great people that wanted to work on it with me so we really took a project that was made for pretty much nothing and it looks fantastic and um and it's it's incredible um but I would say that work doing a feature that early with that little of resources I wish I could do it now because I feel like there's still things that I feel like would be so much better about it knowing you know what I 
know now I can stretch the budget different or I can say, oh, we should do this, but we don't need to, you know, certain things seem more important at the time. And yeah. uh, having the experience now, I think would have changed what that movie is, but you know, that is yeah. what it is. <laughs> I think that's common with almost everything that we do. We always look everything in hindsight and wish, oh, I wish I would have done this and this and this, you know, <laughs> Yeah, everything would look perfect if if that was the case. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly, and and you you wouldn't like I said, it's a learning experience. Even now, every second of doing something, writing or directing something, learning yeah. something for the next project. So. so, what was that project called? That oh, American one? Girl. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I had a feeling that's what it was. Yeah, American Girl. Oh, uh, yes, that was my first feature. And my how own. about? How about shortest project? Well, what was the one that took the longest to finish? Um, definitely the forty-eight hour film festival, which it what's the sh it took. Wait, it didn't take the long. It was the shortest project, and like we had the quickest turnaround time, but it felt like it took the most time and energy, which is so crazy. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even direct that. I acted in that, and I produced it, um, co-produced it, um, and it was just such a whirlwind you know, and we mm. got musical. So it's the one that's like, just has the most complex elements, I feel like. Um, and I think we killed it. But uh, yeah, that one is definitely you just don't sleep. I mean, for 48 hours, everyone's just constantly. Yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever been that stressed or like on a deadline, anything like that for a project, you know, usually, you know, that you have weeks or months or even a day, like, you know, a week or so, but 48 yeah. hours to put out a whole five minute video is a lot. Yeah. No, I remember when you did it and I was exhausted watching you guys work and I got to go home and sleep, <laughs> but knowing that you guys were still awake, I was like, Oh my God, I don't know how they're doing it. Cause I'm tired, you know, just not sleeping a few hours. <laughs> yeah. At some point I just feel like just sleep is over for you. There's like a gap where you just like want to keep falling asleep. And then after that, you know, you just are like on adrenaline for the for the last 24 hours, I feel like. Yeah. And then when I saw the finished product, it, it was so great, except for that one little edit, you know, it just didn't line up with no. the, the, yeah. the sync. Yeah. And, that, and that's the challenge of 48 hours is, you know, you only have so much that you can do yeah. and all of those things, you know, when I'm when I'm doing a video and I, you know, every single export, every single time that I do something, I'll watch the whole thing meticulously to make sure everything is on point or because little things can come unsynced or whatever. Um, but that, you know, you come down to the wire and you're trying to do so much, you know, that you just can miss little things or you try to spot check things and, you know, and then yeah. you're like racing to the venue to try to, mm -hmm. you know, turn, turn it all in. on time and, <laughs> there's a line when you get there. It's just like, there's, you know, there's so many obstacles along the way that you just don't have time for. So that's part of figuring it out. Yeah. So have you received any like recognitions or accolades for anything that you've done? Um, I have, um, I, um, in 2015, I've, I've, I have a few, yeah, 2015 I was, um, selected as one of, um, Del Weston's, top 100 indie filmmakers of the year every year he puts out um um a, a book of indie filmmakers which i, I like that he does he, he he does indie filmmakers that i think are not so you know known i think he really delves for like up-and-coming filmmakers that you know uh you should know so um i was very yeah. honored to be part of that um 
that list that year. Um, in 2016, I was um, I participated in the Women in Film Mentorship Cycle, which was fantastic. Um, in 2018, I did Ryan Murphy's um, HALF program, so directing mentorship cycle. Nice. Um, and let's see what else. I was also, I have um, video, uh, my Buda Negro was um, awarded the Best Music Video in the Artist and Music Awards. Yeah. Um, it also won Best Music Video in the Bare Bones Music Festival. Nice. Um, American Girl won Best Producer. Um, at the LA Femme Film Festival, which was incredible. Um, yeah, all of them are. Um, and then, I mean, Snares of the Devil was a um, um, was a competition winner. Um, the, the pilot was, and then we got to create the whole series. Um, and then, oh, and then most recently, I just, a few weeks ago, I just received a grant for, uh, through the Russo Brothers and the National Italian American Foundation hmm. uh, to create a short film, which I'll, Oh, nice. Probably at the beginning of next year. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. Hey. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> well, you're, every time I turn around, you're like winning something or uh, you're getting some kind of award for something. And I was thanks. like, thanks. so yeah, I had to bring I, it up. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's important for indie filmmakers to not necessarily win an award or like a, a title, you know, like the best of or whatever, but a lot, like with a lot of the grant programs and the, the mentorship things are they're huge yeah. honors and I, I think it's I think it's an honor to be selected for them but I think that you really have to put yourself out there for them there's like a lot of opportunities that you can create for yourself and I just I just think that you know that's you know that's the way that you keep going and keep creating when you're looking for you know when you're indie and you're trying to get someone to give you that chance I think that's the best one of the best ways to do it Right. So with the Filmica contest, the, that wasn't the first time you entered their program before, right? Not for Filmica. I do enter things all the time, yeah. um, but not for, not for Filmica. I had entered the, the way that one worked was it the first round was just a pitch. Like I pitched the series um, um, and the pitch was selected as a finalist and then the finalist created their pilot and then for the pilot was selected and then they, they funded, they executive produced a, the series, but no, not for that one particular, but I have entered hundreds, if not up to <laughs> thousands at this point of competitions and, yeah. and things. So there are many that I have entered and, and, you know, sometimes I've won or, or sometimes it takes, you know, um, like, especially with things like the mentorship cycles or, um, platforms like I've used platforms like Tongle and things like that where you can openly pitch projects and it can take many many times of, of pitching and applying before um, before you get the chance to do it wow how do you find out all this stuff like all these contests and like entries and <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of self-research I do I, at this point I have a running list of things and like a calendar of when you know things that are yearly or wow. things that are new um, I try to take time once every couple of weeks or so to like look for new things that are always coming up or things I haven't heard about. Um, there's also various blogs or lists online that have, you know, there is, there is a, um, a film grant um, website that actually like puts, you know, kind of put, I think it's called filmgrant.com. Now I'm blanking, but it, it puts like a running list of things every month um, and they don't have everything, but they have a good list to start with of things of some of the bigger uh, grants and competitions and programs out there. 
Very interesting. Yeah, it's not enough to just be a good filmmaker. You have to do a lot of research and like find grants and funding and you got to know a lot of people too. I mean, you can't just, you know, pick up a camera and start shooting. You, you have to network and there's yeah. so much work behind the scenes. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons, that's how I found Filmico, was I was I was looking for competitions that specifically were about funding, you know, that were like the next project, I want something that's going to help me create the project, because it's, it's really cool to win a script competition, or really cool to win, you know, competitions, but it doesn't necessarily help you create it, you know, because you still need mm -hmm. money to do that, so I was really looking for something that would give me the opportunity to take that product like and create a you know the project after so nice so yeah. with snares of the devil um what were some of the obstacles during the shooting of that project it was indie and we you know you're always working on a small budget um so we were trying to do a lot i was wearing a lot of hats i wrote it i was directing i was co-producing but still you know when you're creating it like everyone wants to feel you know decisions get filtered through you so there's just a lot going on mm -hmm. um we were working with kids so, and it's kind of heavy material, um, darker material. So, and you don't want to push them too hard on, you know, hours and times and, and things Definitely. that you're requesting of them, you know, but I, I, cause I was lucky with the kids. We had some phenomenal children actors that are, that can handle it better than some of the <laughs> adults on set. So I was impressed with them. Um, and then also it takes place in rural Georgia. That's where it's set. So we needed somewhere that could sort of look small town and, you know, most of California small town is more desert. So mm -hmm. we had to kind of go up into the mountains a couple hours. Um, so we were shooting on location. So even just scouting, not even just the shooting up there, once it was settled, it, you know, it was easy to get everybody up there, but we were going back and forth every couple days to places two hours outside of Los Angeles just to try to find places to shoot and you know yeah. that was that was tough but because you don't have all of the people to do all of the jobs that you do in a, like a huge budget project but I'm yeah that's crazy I was just talking to this guy we didn't know each other prior and then I dropped your name and he's like Amy Campione He's like, I'm working on a project right now. Like, we're looking for a church. Do you have, do you know where a church is that we can use? And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I cannot remember his name, but it, it was so coincidental. That's and so funny. And then I got a text from you that you were looking for a church. And by the time I found one, you're like, oh yeah, we already found one and shot the scene. <laughs> that was a little rough because I have to say, like we, because of the content of the film, though, I don't think that it in any way we were trying to be offensive toward religion or, or the church. It, there is religion. There, it's about, you know, this cult within this religion. So, mm -hmm. you know, we had to be careful because we were trying to shoot in churches and stuff. And I wanted to be honest about what we were doing, but also not offend people. And when it's horror in churches, I feel like usually they're kind of like, no, they just don't want to be yeah. a part of it because they don't know like if it's going to make them look bad or what it's, what's going to happen. And I think sometimes indie can get a bad name because they try to do a lot and they can, you know, not be as careful about certain things or so. Yeah, exactly. It was a challenge to find some of those locations. You don't want to accidentally tarnish, you know, an actual church's Absolutely. reputation. Absolutely. Yeah. Was it difficult casting the series as well? Um, casting is one of my favorite parts always. Um, I don't think it was difficult. I think it was kind of time consuming because mm -hmm. we wanted to find people that were just really perfect 
And also we were casting different, um, the same character at different ages. So, you know, it was like, they still had to sort of resemble each other, you know, have the same eye colors and the same, you know, you know, they had to look similar, like they could be that person at various stages of their life. And that was hard. Not, it was just challenging. Like I said, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I knew it was going to be challenging going into it. And, and we did luckily have time on our side when we, when we were casting, I did have time. Mm. I did have a little bit of time to do that. So I didn't feel rushed to do it within, you know, a few days. Um, but we got some great actors and we had great actors that we couldn't use that ex- for exactly that reason that, you know, we had a really great, you know, woman in her thirties, but we just couldn't find it. Just all these different things that don't yeah. match up right. Um, but I, I think ultimately like the people that were picked were the perfect right people. They walked in the room for the, for a reason. They were fantastic. And it was strange because some of the roles too were sort of, um, like they came in at the last second or they were supposed to miss their audition and then they came in and they ended up being the person that we chose. That's uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. The casting was great. Uh, especially when, you know, when you're going from one time to another, like there was a couple of scenes, you didn't have to really explain anything. You just knew that that was her as a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they first drove up to her mom's place and then the little girl was standing out there and then she screamed. And I'm like, Oh my God, that was such a great, you know, scene and uh, the part where uh, I'm not familiar with her name, but she was like talking to her brother behind the the door. That oh, mm-hmm. that was really a gripping scene. Oh, thank you. You know, because uh, that was very heartfelt because he he cared about her. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that I I have to say that's all the actors they did. They took you know they they took the dialogue and what I saw on like what I meant for it to be and just elevate it times a million. Like I said, and especially um, Ella who plays Blair when she's a little kid, she just was so phenomenal. Ella and Bianca who plays her when she's an adult, they just had like this really good dynamic and they don't really, they have one small scene together, like where it's kind of like this flashback in reality at the same time. Um, But other than that, they don't have any scenes together, but they were, sometimes there for each other's scenes because we sort of we cross-boarded and just kind of shot everything at the same time and they were just so great together they were so cute they would like watch what each other did and um you know they were just i feel like they like did such a good job of being the same person yeah (laughs) that was great one's a little and one's an adult now yeah and like i said and ella i'm just constantly amazed by her she's so great yeah oh Mm -hmm. man that's such a great great series uh, talk about suspension of disbelief. Like the whole time I was just engaged throughout the entire series. So that's, that's a mark of a great director producer. So Thank congratulations. You. Thanks. Um, is there something that happened on the set that no one else would know about it? We, Oh God. I'm like, do I give that away though? I don't know <laughs> if I should give things away. Um, keep it for the behind the scenes clips. <laughs> Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things that are, you know, mistakes that end up, you know, great. Like, oh, we, we chose, we wanted to do this with lighting, but it's not working. So, you know, we have to do it this way. Now, one of the things that there's that whole, it runs throughout the whole project or the whole series, but 
there, that flashback that she keeps flashing to of them on the teeter-totter, that wasn't supposed to be a teeter-totter. It was supposed to be a tire swing, but we couldn't mm. make a tire swing work. So I had to find, we had to come up with a solution and I found a teeter-totter and I actually like it so much better, but yeah, you know, that's how it worked out. That's just what things happen like that sometimes. Yeah. That's a great scene. Yeah. There's a lot of little scenes that are very memorable. There wasn't a lot of discussion about it, but there was, you know, the whole part with the blood. I don't want to give it away, but uh, I'm still kind of like thinking about it. Like, what did that represent? Is that, was that like a sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. or what was that for? You know? <laughs> Which I did, I did mean for it to be that way. There's a lot that I, when I was researching the project that, like I said, I, I didn't want to be too on the nose to say, you know, it's, she's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to know right away that there's these things that happened to her in her past. Her parents kind of raised her in this sort of like evangelical Christian cult. Now that's not saying that all, you know, evangelical Christians are in a cult. Like, there's lots of movies made about all sorts of things that are, you know, I, mean, I never wanted to point to one specific thing and say, this is bad or this is what this is, you know, this religion is bad. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do think that, you know, religion can be used in a lot of, not great ways and that is something that I was you know in my research about you know for this script that's one thing that I was trying to to point out that it it can do really great things but it can do really not so great things um so that was there what I everything I put in there you know I was sort of stuff that I had read about you know either older you know traditions or things that that some people still practice within religions you get these like sects and cults of people that you know practice more conservative, you know, yeah. pure of the religion. So, so yeah, so things like that, I, 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 I meant for them to sort of be ambiguous. I didn't want to like, just say this, you know, right. Cause it doesn't really represent everybody, you know, no, it doesn't. It, and it, it certainly doesn't represent the like mainstream, you know, no, it definitely mm-hmm. doesn't represent the, what I believe that a majority of, you know, Christians are, but, but like I said, there are, you know, we do have, the, the, the cult is a very, like, American thing, and it's very weird, and it's something that's always, like, kind of intrigued me, and, and that sort of mentality, yeah. so, yeah. Yep. So, moving forward, uh, what are you looking forward to working on? So, my next project, I'm writing a lot, but all the time, so... So who knows, I guess, but my, hopefully my next project, um, what I have planned right now is, um, I'll be shooting a short film with the grant money that I won, um, from the uh, National Italian American Foundation. Um, every year they do a competition. They have a, they have, they really support, um, the Italian American community, but not just the Italian American community. You don't have to be Italian American to, um, apply for the grant. But they have a really great film program, and so they every year they award um, grants to, I believe it's eight fellows, um, and the work is to sort of, you know, uplift and highlight the Italian-American experience. So mm-hmm. I'll be working on that project um, about an Italian-American chef um, at the beginning of next year. Oh, so, cool. Nice. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be finishing writing and kind of getting it all together. Uh, COVID has kind of pushed, you know, when and how <laughs> things are possible to shoot right now. Yeah. So, so that's been kind of pushed, but it'll be beginning of next year. But it gives you time to like do some casting, fix yeah. the writing, you know, perfect it. Absolutely. There's so many things I can do before we get to Yeah. And then maybe actually book things. And if COVID-19 just keeps moving along, you can just move the dates, you know. 
Well, yeah, and that's the other thing is sort of kind of coming up with multiple versions of the same thing in case, you know, because she's a chef. So, you know, just an example, you know, if there's going to be a scene in a restaurant, am I going to be able to actually have background and things there? Like, what is that going to look like? Um, so kind of creating multiple versions of the same thing. Like, this is what I'd really love to shoot, but this is my contingency because I, I don't know. We don't know what will happen with COVID. So we might be right. limited to how many people we can have on set and things like that. So. so what do you think about the whole COVID-19? You know, so many film companies and, and television companies, they're kind of everything's built on hold. I mean, do you think that we'll ever run out of content? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll run out of content. I think that people are pretty um, creative. I mean, it. I mean, it really depends. If it goes on for another year, there's going to be probably kind of a problem. But um, yeah. but I don't know. I, I, there's already things sort of starting to come back. Mm -hmm. So I think that it really just depends. I think there's safe ways to shoot. Um, so I think that you're already starting to see projects that are putting, especially for the bigger projects that can really afford like another. Um, you know, they can afford to have another department on, on set. So they're have you know, they're actually having COVID departments. So they mm. have people that monitor it and, you know, that, you know, are there with sanitation and like kind of making sure everyone's following protocol and, you know, doing things like temperature checks. I think that it's going to be a process though. Nothing will go back to the way that it was, you know, when we right. shut down in March, I mean, Hollywood was kind of at its peak, like uh, it's busy as it's been in so long. All the studios were booked. Everything was shooting. There was so much work. And, and now it's, I think it's going to be just kind of a slower start. Um, but I think once there's rapid testing and down the line, like a vaccine or something, when we know more about it, I think in the next, within the next few months, hopefully it'll help to speed things up. I mean, fortunately, like the big studios, they've moved everything that was supposed to release this year. They moved it to next year. But then beyond 2021, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like up in the air. Yeah, I mean, there's a, and yeah, and there's a lot of major projects that won't shoot till next year. So you're now because so you're right, that'll delay anything that's supposed to be released next year to the year after. So it'll be interesting to see how things are released and what happens, which I kind of get it. I, I understand on the, you know, certain movies are really made to be seen in a theater and that's really the experience that they want. And Right. They have these big budgets, which really need the movie experience to make, you know, money back. And it's a business. So, um, and they need that worldwide release to happen, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause you got to recoup all that money that you spent. You yeah. Know? Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm thing. really looking forward to seeing that movie Tenant and Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. I know Tenant, Wonder Woman, um, Halloween, the new Halloween, Halloween Kills was supposed to come out and they just delayed that. I'm pretty sad about it, oh. but I also understand because, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and, they want the October Halloween big release and people going. Yeah. And it's crazy. They, they've delayed so many things like, um, Horror Nights over at Universal. Oh, yeah, Halloween Horror Nights. That, I know. that was canceled. It's like, oh I'm my God. I'm pretty sad. I, Halloween is my favorite holiday and I just, <laughs> everything has been ruined for Halloween this year. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, just take it in stride. I'm still going to decorate. I'm still going to do, you know, I might just dress up at home and just be here. I don't know. <laughs> I'll be interested to see if we get, I usually get a lot of tons of trick or treaters. So I'm interested to see if I'll actually get, we'll get any this year or. Yeah. So. Well, I think we're about to run out of time, but it was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It was awesome talking to you about it. Yeah. Thank you. I can't wait to watch your next series or project or movie. Thanks. Yeah, so everyone can watch it, filmica.com slash snares. 
and you can uh, watch the entire series. And if anybody wants to look you up, uh, where can they go? Uh, yeah, so you can go to my website, which is just my name. So amycampione.com. All right. Yeah. As I, was well, I don't know if you could like put it up there if I should spell Campione out. <laughs> all right. Well, it was great talking to you and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of KGUP Presents. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode because you're not going to want to miss our next show. We'll be interviewing and showcasing the band Wolves. From the KGUP Presents studios in Los Angeles, this is Mikey J. I'm out.